back to Try Not to Die. I'm your DM, your dandy mayhem, no Frito, and I'm here with our lone hero. Lisa Condemi, burgeoning bureaucrat, owner of a cow-patterned cat, nothing to sneeze at. It's Gorgonzola, baby. Coming in strong for the finale. Oh my goodness. Rhyme Zone really did you. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Remember, well, hold on, let's bring it over from the afterlife. Smash. 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 Smash that intro. Smash that intro. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> you've appeared right at the top of the final recap oh, of Arc 5. I hope I haven't altered any environments. <laughs> I cast Fitherfall so you don't splat. <laughs> Last time, our hero and her party of family and familiars battled against a swarm of willowists who seemed hell-bent on stealing the life force and magic of this sacred space and the people within. The battle was carnage, with our hero forced to run back up the stairs to close the door while her mother, Kala, and the familiar crew helped defend the citizens of Glaciel and whatever this precious liquor was. Despite the initial horror, our hero managed to fend off the phantoms, saving her allies and all of the citizens, or most of the citizens of Glaciel. Unfortunately, she was unable to stop their destruction of the Fuh, this sacred healing liquor these folks had been tasked with protecting, leading to a bit of tension with their leader, the Marquis Swell Shadowshine. Thankfully, Zola's heroics, honesty, and honorable intentions made it hard for them to refuse help. And also a nat 20, you know, that kind of buys you some grace. And after a bit of cleaning, she proposed that they use the Conjuration Shard, thoughts on a name, to teleport any willing people to Iverhome where things would probably be safe. Apparently, Swell had been trying to get in contact with Iverholm to no avail, and with the nearest city, Chilvin, not being a true ally of her, despite both being a part of the Shadowshine Empire, strange, she knew that it wouldn't be a good idea to wait for help when the specter's pestering was growing more intense by the night. So, in a truly daring move, those who wanted to come joined the party as they marched to the top of the stairs where they could use the massive crystal in the door to channel the spell. You think anyone regrets not coming? Is everyone like, fuck. Oh, you should have left. I should have gone. <laughs> Truthfully, I think both sides are having that exact experience. I think one side's like, damn, we probably should have left. It's scary here. And the other side's like brushing off wooden debris and is like, why did we do that? <laughs> Graceful. You truthfully only said yes. I we can teleport with this. I should you did start not telling people more. to put knee pads on. <laughs> Make sure you guys are all dressed up like linebackers. All right, everyone, hand on the shard. You have a helmet. Helmets, helmets no? on. Okay. Seatbelts engaged. <laughs> you successfully teleported them all to Iverholm. Sort of. 92% of them, to be specific. <laughs> the last 25 or so folks, the party included, found themselves falling from 2,000 feet above Iverholm. Wouldn't have been funny if I was included in the other one. If you were like, yeah, you get there fine. And you see a lot of people um, fall and splat and you really <laughs> die. Like, you really said, right before we rolled these dice, like, that sucks for those, that 8%. <laughs> I was like, you're probably going to be part of them. Seems unfair for me to be like, everyone else <laughs> has <right>. to suffer. <laughs> this recap is virgin into afterlife territory. We are getting a little too roasty. Okay, <laughs> roasty toasty done. You were found yourselves hurtling towards the arcane dome that protected the city. And if not for the quick thinking and luck of Gorgonzola, she would be responsible for approximately 25 murders. <laughs> But she managed to dole out feather falls to anyone who needed them, safely landing them all on the ground. 
Well, again, mostly. Ropefort, only a familiar, was destroyed no. by being blasted off the arcane shield of the city. I no. didn't say that last episode. It felt kind of grim, but <laughs> yep. Um, and her mother, in her exhausted state, was knocked fully unconscious until Zola managed to stabilize her. And altogether, they began to head towards the city of Ivrholm. And that is where we are right now. You all begin to approach Ivarholm tired, wounded, drained of your many abilities, your mother being held up by you and the Marquis of Glaciel, Swell Shadowshine, who also is leading the rest of the people who flew down with you. Is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? You see some, you know, people are definitely bruised. Maybe somebody like sprained something, but- I apologize, I apologize. It's a very unreliable piece of magic, but to be honest, this is the best it's worked so far. It so. literally is always like this. I can't stand it. Kala. Why do we never, why are we always using it? Kala, we have to, we need to find a, a, a level of diplomacy, I think, before we enter the city. Ha! We gotta ha. be on the same side, okay? <laughs> Still and desperately trying to calm down Colin's Kyle. like, no, this is outrageous! <laughs> um, as you guys keep walking forward, the group kind of huddling together, you begin to approach the snow globe city. The city, like a snowflake half buried in the ground, rises high above everything around it. The size of an Aurelian cloud carver with four more dendrite-like branches splitting off. It's very late, but the city still glimmers and glows as the light of the night sky and the fairy fire lanterns within reflect off the many city surfaces. You walk for a few minutes as this group of 25 or so make their way to the only visible entrance of the city, this grand white and blue gate emblazoned with the Shadowshine Raven, the symbol of this grand city and the expansive empire it represents. Before we get too close, I think I'm going to announce our entrance. I take the uh, horn that is by my side. Not my magical horn, but just my regular cow calling horn. The horn that you've held on to for (laughs) literally a month and a half. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's my little vestige of home. And um, I raise it to my lips and blow a little signaling our arrival as I don't want to um, seem like we're sneaking up on any way and I'll kind of walk with Swell um, and my mother and Kala leading this group. Okay, give me, just for the sake of it, give me a performance check. I'll say you can roll with advantage. Um, And though I know, I think you add, you do a minus one to performance. Mm -hmm. You can actually instead, what's your proficiency bonus? Plus five. Plus five. Okay. So you're just going to add plus four to this roll because you you do know how to play the horn. You may not be great. For sure. It's two notes. It's two notes. (laughs) It's not. I know how to call a cow. (laughs) 22. This one is designed to like ring through the valleys and call on my cows home. So it's resonant, baby. It's beautiful. And it echoes all of the people around you kind of pausing for a moment as you do, taking note, uh, Swell looks and goes, probably a good idea. Yeah, I think we should try to have some um, veil of maybe, uh, you know, professionalism and uh, status since, you know, I teleported a lot of people inside their walls. They might be kind of angry about that. She looks towards the city. So you do think that they're all in there, right? Oh, yeah. I think they're probably all in there. It seemed, it felt, it felt good. You are a very strange young woman, but... Thank you. I respect the efforts you are making. Gorgonzola's 
worried about her mom right now and was also really hoping to have this time to talk with her mom about like what they're gonna say and what the plan is <sighs> and now she is all too aware that she is speaking for uh, speaking on her behalf as well anything you want to do before you head inside I uh, message Kala mm -hmm. I understand if you don't want to come within these city walls I know it might not be uh, your deal <sighs> Yes, we are actually close to the fields where my family was looking to go, so. And you see she looks off into the distance. I wish I could have helped more. Well, I'm here, aren't I? You did help. That's true. Do you, do you want to bring Stilton with you? He might be able to soar above you and you guys can communicate and he can help find your family. As you say that, you hear in the distance. Oh. And you see Kala immediately twist her head looking west. You seem fine on your own. I'll keep Stilton. Yes, you shouldn't keep Stilton. Um, thank you, Gorgonzola. Despite being a humanoid, you have been quite helpful. I think I will think twice next time my jaws are around the head of one of your kind. Thank you, Kala. I wish my mother was awake to thank you too, but I, I couldn't have found her without you, and I owe you my life and Stilton, and thank you for not eating Roquefort. Thank you for thanking me for that. That was maybe the most moral thing I've ever done in my life, was not eating that cow while you were there. Okay, say hi to your fam. I will. Good luck. May you and your pack never be separated again. You too. She... Oh! Howls herself and begins to run towards the distance where you start to hear a chorus of howls echoing, calling to the former leader of this pack and mother of the current leader, a parallel to our hero and her own. As you watch this wolf run off and the rest of the citizens, you know, do as well, shocked by this surprising interaction between a half-orc and a creature that is normally very hostile towards humanoids. Mm. Um, Swell looks to you and goes, Apologies, I may have underestimated you. Oh, I'm used to it. You approach, violet flags bearing the same symbol of the Black Raven flapping from atop the parapets within the arcane gate atop of the massive stone wall that also encircles this city in like a hexagonal sort of matching the snowflake kind of theme of it. It, it kind of follows that shape within the bubble. So you begin to approach and see a number of troops now lining the walls, probably more now that you've called them, just to Take a look at who these people are. You hear one of the elves from atop the wall, this one wearing like black and purple robes, calls down an elvish. Um, and after a moment, Swell responds and then looks to you. They are asking us to hold. Apparently something has happened in the city. Right. She nods. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both know what that is. What that yeah. is. Yes. Good news. Yes, hopefully. Um, you guys stand there for a moment. Your mother's still kind of unconscious, being held up by the two of you. Did you did you announce us, or...? We. Oui, I have okay. let them know. They will let us in as soon as, I suppose, they feel secure. Okay. But you are left waiting for quite a few minutes. Five, ten, 
all of these elven soldiers, long bows lowered, hundreds of feet above you, behind this shimmering blue barrier. Ten minutes goes by and I go, <clears throat> So how do you say excuse me in elvish? Pardon moi. P- pardon moi. <laughs> you call up to the wall and you see one of the guards look over. Yes. Is everything okay? Do you guys need any help? That is none of your concern. Please wait. I'm semi-concerned. It's fine. <laughs> you do not have to worry about anything. Is it that a lot of people teleported? There's a long beat of silence as this man looks down at you and goes, Hold on. And turns away. <laughs> <laughs> and walks away from the wall. You're, I feel like they might let us in now. That, that might have done it. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably think that they are going to be a little suspicious that you knew that. Maybe. After a moment, <laughs> you um, see that someone comes up to the wall. Give me a perception check. Based on sight? Based on sight. 23. You look up and you see a familiar face popping over the wall. Pale skin and bright blonde hair. Agent Fenchy Fluffler, ranking member of the Elves Beyond, whom you <laughs> saved. She looks down shocked to see you and the unconscious former chief of the first might. Fenchy, I took the long way. Sacre bleu, I cannot believe you actually came. Guards, open the gate. This young half-orc is an ally, not an enemy. And you see, without hesitation, these guards immediately snap into position and begin to move as the structure is readied. Several drow mages, including the one who had initially been speaking to you, step forward, raising their arms, beginning to connect with the objurative magic that protects the city. You watch as first a line is traced, a door-shaped line in the arcane barrier that fiddles away but maintains the massive dome, almost like they've opened a door in the snow globe itself. And as you guys begin to walk in, you see that the doors also begin to slide open to reveal the massive city within. Once inside the bubble, you are immediately overwhelmed by the sheer majesty and magnitude of this metropolis. These four massive crystalline arms of this snowflake megastructure act as a district of the city. Neighborhoods, not as large perhaps as Aurelia's, but close to and perhaps even more impressive as they are built to follow the steep angles of said dendrites. Each of the districts is shaped around a main avenue that follows the said dendrite from start to end, as if the entire neighborhood was built into a see-through tunnel, the buildings themed based on the area of the city. Mirroring that below this, you see that these raised streets are basically avenues that follow their shadows while emphasizing the hexagonal shape of the city. Residential structures that are similar to like a 19th century Haussmann style, like Paris-esque sort of architecture with more ornamental detailings, a lot of more fractal and almost snowflake-like designs. The colors ranging from deep blues, pale whites, and also this vibrant violet color. Things are a bit chaotic. You see guards are rushing throughout the city. There are approximately like 300 or so people who have been just tossed into this like close district. Mm-hmm. So you see that there are some like fires like going up and like there's definitely some like 
carnage on the main avenue where you see people are being helped up and like all like the high elves and drow who live in the city have begun to exit their homes from trancing being like <laughs> what the fuck is happening <laughs> um but as you're kind of marveling at this city um holding up your mother not absent-mindedly, but just a little bit like struck by all of this, you see Fanchi kind of comes down a stone walkway. Bonjour, mon ami. Welcome to Everholm. Sorry, you're catching us in a little bit of a crisis. We had a unexpected set of arrivals. This is the city in a crisis? Ah, oui. She gestures back. Sorry about the unexpected arrivals, by the way. That was me. These people- What? 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 Was you? How? How? These people, Swell, could tell you better, but that's important, but also important is that my mother, she needs medical attention. You see, Fanchi nods, looking at your mother. <sighs> I see. Um, turns to the Marquis. Marquis Swell, it is an honor. If you follow the guard, they will take you to where we are housing Glacial residents. Swell looks towards the chaos in the streets and then back to you and then to Fanchi. Merci. I also need to speak with the queens about what's going on in the Winter Abbey. And Fenshi nods. I believe you. If Gorgonzola vouches for it, I know it to be a considerable threat. <laughs> I give a thumbs up to Swell. <laughs> Swell nods unsure and gives like a kind of forces a thumbs up. Is this something you do down south? Or? I just say that's I'm getting vouched for. It doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> She's looking at her thumb quite <laughs> peculiarly as guards come over and begin to kind of escort Swell away. As she's about to go, Swell looks to you again and goes, I guess I should thank you after all. Sincerely. Thank you. I mean, sorry I uh, stumbled upon your town and um, let those ghosts in, but I hope that this is the first step towards you guys finding help. Certainly not an ideal introduction, but perhaps this will lead to better things. I think so. She nods and heads with her escort as Fanchi looks back to you and your unconscious mother, who, by the way, actually, uh, can you give me a medicine check? Yes. Ah, uh, eight. I mean, like, it's hard to tell at this point. When someone's this exhausted, like, you see the bags under her eyes. You see she's moaning and kind of being, like, barely held up by you. Bruised, a few kind of, um, almost like, I don't know how to describe it other than, like, dry patches from what you imagine is, like, the lightning kind of scarring and burning skin. But Fanchi looks and sees the kind of condition that she's in. And you said you were the daughter of the chief. I thought you meant Arjahan. Yeah, I realized that. Sorry, we so miscommunicated there. No, we. I, I kind of thought you might have been a threat, but oh. I'm happy to hear that you are not. I just kind of wasn't up to date. I thought my mom was the chief still. She super wasn't. Super, no. I guess no. if anyone had said a name there, we would have instantly figured it out. It but we like, just didn't. Yeah, we just should have said some but, more communication. Yes, sorry. I'm Gorgonzola, the daughter of Mozzarella, the... Former and true Stregorede of the First Might. She bows. A pleasure to meet you. Again, welcome to the city. You are indeed a friend of mine. Thank you. I will say the sword may not be enough to buy you, and she looks at the chaos, total grace, but you definitely have my support. 
I'll crack those eggs as the omelet starts cooking. These people, they likely would have died if they just stayed where they were. They were in an untenable situation. Might have been a bit violent, the teleporting, but it was going to happen at some point. It's... Wow. I mean, it's quite a feat. Teleport normally cannot take this many people, but... And to take it inside the city, it's... She looks at the abjurative dome around it. It's surprising, but we must alert Archmage Painui. Dr. Flocon is meeting with him to see if we can get an audience Sorry. with the Queen's... Pardon? Archmage who? Painui? Do you do you happen to know? Does does he have a, a daughter? Not that I know of, no. He's bachelor. Okay. She is gonna make an inside check. <laughs> <laughs> That's an eight. Okay. I um maybe you've heard of his it ex- common? Like Smith? No, Smith is is I would say more common than Pinewee. It's his family's an old family in the city. Um, she um, continues. Honestly, it is probably best that you are here. Dr. Flocon is, as you know, a bit eccentric. Uh, it would be helpful if you joined her to help her focus. I can ensure that your mother is taken somewhere to find some rest. If you want to come with me, we can speak with the Archmage now. Uh, okay, just... The most urgent matter here is that someone is able to help my mother. I mean, maybe I sh- we should bring her to the Archmage. I don't think a cure wounds isn't going to cut it in, in this situation. She needs a, a remove curse or a, a greater restoration. Big magic is going to heal her. We can try and take her to maybe the Rhyme District where there are some clerics. Um, I'm going to have her make an Arcana check. Okay. I fear that she might do better if she's not around me, but at the same time, I fear leaving her. Fenchi looks to you. I understand. Would you prefer that you go with her first? I can see if the Archmage can wait. Uh, no, I'll, um, I let Stilton down onto my mother's shoulder and say to Stilton, stay with her, and if anyone tries anything, message me. Ha! Uh, and you see a few of these, like, elite guards come over. They're wearing this shiny silver armor over this, like, black and purple tunic. Um, they carefully take your mother under the arms. And you see that from kind of a nearby guard post that's inside of the gates, someone comes over and they seem to have some medical supplies, like a stretcher and stuff like that. We'll take her to the Rhyme District first, and then we will bring her to where you can stay. Wherever is the best. Money is no object. And Fanchi, I'm trusting you indescribably here with the most important thing in my life to me. She um, looks to Mozzarella. You have done nothing but kindness to me and those I care about. I will not do anything less for you and yours. Thank you. She nods to the guards saying something in Elvish and they head off down the main boulevard towards the central kind of structure where you see the like far, far in the distance. I mean, barely see mm-hmm. a large stone staircase that basically is like you have to go up it in order to get to the branches at all. Kind right. of thing. So as she heads off, Bye, Mom. you see that Fanchi turns to you and goes, follow me. We are going to head to the Arcanum. 
you, Fanchi, sans your familiars, sans Kala, you all begin to walk through the city towards the southern branch of the Dendrites. Despite being late, it is alight with activity. Guards are, again, hustling to and fro as the streets are illuminated by this purplish fairy fire. Drow and high elves alike speaking with authorities or peering out of their windows in confusion. Some do watch you and Fanchi with a bit of shock, seeing a half-orc kind of walk through the city, which is a city pretty much entirely populated by elves but no one is saying anything and it's mostly awe that they are seeing someone like you walking with someone of such prestige as agent fluffler you see the damage as well storefronts utterly destroyed crates and barrels shattered trash in the streets (laughs) arguments between people who were sleeping and those who appeared in their bedroom i'm pressed (laughs) to digitizing everything as i go i'm just pointing at windows sorry sorry i can pay for some of this i could definitely pay for some of this they don't need to know in fact it would probably be better if you don't associate with what's happening here for now Um, she kind of pulls you through the city Um, i'm I'm trying to be more honest so sorry sorry i suppose i have to respect that <laughs> um, Agent Fanchi Fluffer and what looks like now a small company of guards kind of joining you escort you through to the main structure that takes up the, now the vast majority of the view in front of you. A feat of construction, if you've ever seen one. The closest branch, the one that has kind of loomed above your walk for a lot of the city, is known as the Needle. It is where the sharpest minds of the Elven Nation gather to learn from the finest Elven teachers. Even though this branch is above you, you learn that you must walk through the city to get to any of the branches. So you do that, getting a beautiful view of the carnage and the natural um, aesthetic of this Elven city. At the central structure, you find yourself walking up a set of stairs that curl around to head up this spire that points up and towards the sky. Purple banners bearing the Black Raven lie limply from buildings, no wind um, rushing through here. The sigil not only of the city, but the Arcanum Iverholm, the famous elven school of magic. Orbs and light float gracefully through the air, and you see that much of this area has been imbued with magic, little things to bring flair to the mundane. Things cleaning the streets, fairy fire floating and kind of almost holding it post. But then as you walk by, it kind of joins you to light your way until the next one and then pulls back. Um, I should have applied to more colleges. Ah, it's a very prestigious school, but it's... It's nice. It's nice here. It's very, very nice. What's the dining hall like? (sighs) It's exquisite. The food is incredible. It's brought over and she points to the frost district. They bring it over. All food is grown there. And incredible. The food, it's incredible. Hydroponic, it's, organic. It's all fried in Aurelia. <laughs> I mean, delicious, but only as a street. <laughs> all fried. <laughs> Every fucking thing is fried. <laughs> Every item. Oh, my God. Um, as you kind of look through this college, it actually is very different from the Arcanum Aurelia. It mm. is... The University of Aurelius had each school of magic separated. This seems to group them based on kind of what you would use them for. In a similar Mm. way that someone who's learning engineering is going to have to know like some math and some other type of research methods and computer science. Like you got like evocation and abjuration being kind of overlapping. And then you see things like conjuration and transmutation um, where people, you know, things that are required to make and create and bring things into existence. You'd want those people to be builders and you'd want them to work together. Mm -hmm. The main campus um, spreads across the spire that runs diagonal to the ground. Though when walking on it, gravity seems to shift as you kind of move. None of it feels off balance. It twists in a way that seems 
like you would totally topple over, but yet somehow you are standing perfectly fine. <laughs> so <I> was nauseous. <laughs> you're like doing the thing. You're doing very wobbly walking. She's like, he's totally normal. You can walk normally. We're just high off the ground. <laughs> the buildings are angular, intricate, and beautiful, lining the streets. A absolute, again, this whole experience is overwhelming coming from the type of cities and civilization you came from. You imagine that if the First Might did happen to acquire this city, the sheer arcane strength would be enough to at least balance the scales. They certainly can use it as a base for their wartime operations. You pass by ivy-covered dorms where some elves are outside smoking spliffs, heading towards the end of this branch where the central building of the Arcanum rises, eight spires woven together to form an observatory. This district is almost labyrinthian, a nightmare for new students. But eventually, you are brought to a staircase that leads up to the observatory. You walk and walk and walk until you find yourself standing before a blank stone wall. There's nothing there until Fenchi utters a phrase and you see Elvish become inscribed on the wall and the bricks begin to, one by one, move and open to reveal the study of Archmage Painui. A tall library with a few balconies built into the walls where a desk, a dining table, a comfortable chair, and fireplace are positioned. Almost reminiscent of the sort of levels in the Watchwoman Tethesia's bell tower. Less like an apartment and more like a lab library. The room goes up for an impossibly long distance, clearly evidence that there is a demiplane within this room rather than a room itself. And while you marvel at the space, you hear, ha! as a raven swoops down and quickly flies around you doing a sort of recon before soaring back to a perch about 45 feet above. Its red eyes maliciously eye you as it ha calls again. I think for a second that it's still, no, I'm about to tell him off. <laughs> and then I realize it's a different raven. <laughs> yeah, the uh, still has kind of occasionally there's like when the light hits it, there's like a little green tint. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see this, they're red. This is a red eyed raven and it just definitely has some frightening energy kind of warbling off it hello you call out and you hear from above play nice abaddon descending from high above is the archmage Pinui, dressed in a dark violet suit with even darker cloak a black raven embroidered on the breast pocket a drow his skin is blue tinted obsidian his eyes a pale purple his hair buzzed down with a variety of symbols shaved into it He carries with him a staff, black, with a raven head atop it. And as he lands, he smiles. Bringing more nutcases to my quarters, Fanchi? Fanchi raises a finger as if to respond, and then you watch as Dr. Falcone (laughs) crashes down next to him. (laughs) She takes... She takes 20 damage. Wait, Fanchi takes 20 damage? No, no, no. Dr. Flocone takes 20 Doctor, damage. Okay. And she slams into the ground, and you see Fanchi put her finger down, <laughs> not going to protest the call that she might be a little bit kooky. Um, as she goes over and begins to help up Dr. Flocone, you see the familiar bright eyes open up, kind of clearly dipped in and out of consciousness there for a second. Um, she locks onto you and a smile forms on her face. Gorgonzola! Mon dieu, it is good to see you. Come, come, help me explain how fucked up everything is. <laughs> come on, it's, he's not really hearing me out on this. Dr. Flocone, it's lovely to see you. Um, Archmage Pinui, it's wonderful to meet you. My name is Gorgonzola. I hold out my hand. He regards you for a second, um, 
putting his staff, kind of pinning it in the air so it stands up straight as he approaches. And Oh, I take the tusk off, off of my uh, back and kind of lay it up against the wall so I'm kind of like dearming my, myself mm. and hold out a hand. He comes over and shakes it. It's a firm handshake, the kind of handshake a dad would give. <laughs> <laughs> um, he regards you and goes, Are you a warrior of the first might? Fenchi had informed me that you had acquired... L'ombre brilliant. I must extend my gratitude. Yes, of course. I recovered it almost. Well, I shouldn't say I recovered it because my friend recovered it. Um, a dwarf named Ertzalari Graubiber. Um, she is a, a dear ally to me, and she found this sword in Anacra's hoard and um, handed it over to me. And when I ran into Agent Fanchi and Dr. Flacone, I, of course, knew I had to. Make sure it got into the right hands. I must commend you. Most people would claim credit for this, but I appreciate your honesty. Forgive me. I know you must have questions, and I have questions too. I'm just wondering if maybe we should gather more people. You see, I have news that affects so many, and... I'm wondering if it would be possible to seek an audience with the queens or if we could all gather somewhere. I hate to make you sit through a story if I'm going to have to tell it three or four more times. Dr. Flocon wanted the same thing. The queens are very busy. I am, how you say, screening their calls. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. So she has explained the gravity and... It does sound concerning, but I must speak bluntly, as necessity drives honesty. The Shadowshine Nation is more of a brand than a unified nation, something that all the duchies and domatic tribes use to call themselves a single empire, something they can look to when they need said security. But it is just that, a title they use for the sake of commerce, travel, and status. They have their own agendas, their own desires, just like the Feywild's Winter Court and its corporate rulers in Insili Corp. I understand that there might be some serious things going on, but you cannot approach the queens without some sort of methodology to dealing with these situations. I totally get it. I totally get it. The first might marches on Ever home in two days. Would that be enough? Give me a persuasion or intimidation, whatever you prefer. Okay. I'll, I will do intimidation. Seems more intimidating than <laughs> not, but I didn't want to force it. Not one, though. I appreciate your concern, but they are... Give me an insight check. Four. I, he says, I appreciate, I appreciate your concern in response to me saying that your city is going to be under siege and Zola genuinely has to like stop and twist her hand around that. <laughs> I appreciate your concern. There's a war on, sir. <laughs> this city is protected by... And he gestures out the crystalline window towards the arcane bubble. With the Cabochon Sanctuaire, we are protected from all those who would wish to do harm to our city. I just teleported, like, 300 people inside, though, from, like, many miles away. Fanchi looks to <laughs> Dr. Flocone, and the two of them look to, um, <laughs> they look to the Archmage, who puts a finger to his mouth. 
And hmm. no offense, but I'm 18. I did not know about that. But it was I. Yes, I was going to tell you very soon. I promise. Sir. It was I was handling it. It's it's been an ongoing situation for the past thirty minutes or so. The people of Glaciel were under attack. There's strange magical disturbances, as I'm sure you're aware. It was either leave them to die or bring them where I was going. I'm sorry for the imposition, but things are quite dire. Hmm. You see, Doctor Falcon goes. See, there is a lot going on. I think that it's worth having a little talk with the queens. Come on, let me talk to them. And you see Fetchy kind of putting a hand in front of her. <laughs> Archmate Painui, I think we can agree that there is at least something going on here. We should alert them if it is something of this magnitude. You at least want to be prepared for when the first mite shows up outside your doorstep. Fine if they can't get into the bubble, but... Not fine if they sit around for two weeks working on it and the queen isn't aware. Uh, yes, and I mean, like, um, who's to say one of us wouldn't just, I don't know, cast sending or something and send them a little message, Dr. Flocone says, looking, trying to be as intimidating as possible, looking at the archmage, who gives her the kind of look that's like, come on, like... You, come on. <laughs> you can't sending the... I'm sure they have stuff in place. You can't, like, everyone can't sending the queen, right? <laughs> Give me an insight check. Um, oh, we definitely do, of course. Five. Yes, and you believe him. <laughs> you see you see him, um, he flicks his wrist, and you see Avadon, his raven, goes up higher, picks up a little quill, and starts writing something down. Perhaps ring of mind shielding for queens? <laughs> it seems uh, like a crazy system that anyone could just... <laughs> Sending the queen. Sending isn't a common spell, so it, <laughs> you know, it's not something that maybe they thought of. Um, but as you are kind of having this conversation, you see the archmage definitely is thinking. Um, give me a persuasion check. I'll let you roll with advantage because I mean you have two allies here who are advocating heavily for you to be able to at least get a word to the queens. Okay. Yes. Seventeen. I will admit that it would not look good if the queens were not at least made aware of what could be going on. I will set up a meeting for tomorrow evening. You don't think we should maybe do like a breakfast meeting, like a brunch? The queens are very busy people. You don't uh, think they want like 24 hours notice of... uh an army marching on their city rather than 12 hours notice. I just feel like the extra 12 hours would really make, could make or break it. See if they have 11 open. See if they have 11 open. I will check their schedule. (laughs) Or 11.30. I will check the schedule. Okay. I will do it for you. I I message um, (laughs) a fancy. And so you can actually get a lot done by being overly annoying. It's important to stand up for yourself. You know, he would do the same, wouldn't he? He would probably push that kind of... He would be asking for more. We should ask for more. You have to irritate the fuck out of your government officials, for sure. That's what I'm learning. For sure. I can tell that the two of you are talking to each other in your minds. You're just standing there silently. <laughs> no, they're not! Dr. Falcone waving her arms in front of the two of them. No, no, this is a thing they do all the time. Sometimes women have private things to talk about. Messages you? Are you guys messaging me without talking to me? <laughs> I was saying how good our plan is. Oh, so good! <laughs> you see, um, Archmage Pinui goes, I will do my best to get you a meeting with them as soon as possible. 
within the next 24 hours, for sure. I cannot guarantee the morning. They... They have a lot going on right now. Okay. I will wait to hear from you in the morning. You, even on a low insight check like before, you do sense that there's kind of a an unspoken thing being said here. Something's going on, yeah. Um, and you kind of, I mean, you can't get the sense of to what degree or what kind of thing, but there's something amiss here. As you're kind of tilting your head a little bit, acknowledging and appreciating that he's trying but wanting a little bit more, um, you see he puts a finger to his temple, and after a moment he goes, I have... Gotten you a room in the Frost District for you to stay across from Dr. Frocon. The two of you can travel together to your meeting tomorrow. Thank you. Morning. Tomorrow. See you at breakfast. Bright and early. I will (laughs) see you tomorrow. We will see. When the rooster cries. As the crow flies at night, which will probably be when your meeting is. (laughs) We'll see. Then she goes, okay, let's get everyone out of here. <laughs> Thank um, you, I like your office. You look back as the Archmage... Um, does he have any... Can I look... Does he have any resemblance to Cicero's? Yeah, give me a perception check. Thank you. Based on sight? Based on sight, for sure. Double 18s. You look at Archmage Pinui, and you think of Cicero's. They bear a striking resemblance. The cheekbones the face shape i mean a little different because of her human side that Mm -hmm. kind of rounded out a little few of her features like Mm -hmm. her nose and stuff and her ears just a little bit shorter but it's kind of uncanny and so she had told me when um we shared about our childhood she had told me that her father had never been in her life right he had left her and her mother yeah like he he had to go early on i believe is what she said um isn't is was certainly not living with them at all. Right. She basically, if you remember correctly, Cesar Rose was sending money back to her family to like help her mother and right. her I think it was her brother, if I remember yeah. correctly. Sorry if anyone's listening and has the notes open, it's like it was a sister. <laughs> I think it was a little brother. But yeah. yeah, so basically it's very possible. I mean, they share the same last name. I take one glance back at his face and narrow my eyes and then keep walking. What would you say your surface thoughts are right now? <laughs> my surface thoughts are is that Cicero's dad as you turn away he goes um Fanchi will you wait outside with Dr. Flocon and you see Fanchi pauses and goes of course sir and takes Dr. Flocon out and as you watch them go the bricks <laughs> seal up once more and you turn to see this man standing looking at you Thought again about breakfast? The two of you look at each other for quite a bit before he goes, Where are you from again? Paddlewick, sir. My man familiar. Is this, this is in the Empire? Oh, yes. Um, right on the Marimara. A small, um, a small port town. It's where Formaggi once stood. Mm, I do know the area. Oui. It's nice. It is. Uh... To come visit when it's not, you know... Well, yes, uh, it's been very busy. Um, you can tell that he's trying to figure out the words to say something, but you don't know what. And he goes, how did you, you 
I, you know what? Never mind. This isn't appropriate. I um, appreciate what you have told me today about the situation going on in Glaciel and. Can the I situation. cast detect thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, if you're just doing the surface level, your eyes glimmer with a faint flicker of divination magic, and you <laughs> get into his brain. Oh my god. No, there must be another Ciceros. It's probably a very common name now. That's impossible. It's two names in put together. That's insane. That can't be common. What in the world? Who is she? Looking at you. So anyway, yeah, I uh, came from Paddlewick, and then I traveled, um, you know, by sea for for a bit with some companions before I came to the Empire. And like um, who kind of companions? I need to know the kind of company you travel with if you're going to um, meet the queens. You you could just ask. He looks away. I will admit that I am a bit ashamed that I that things are the way they are. That's why I do not want to say anything out loud. Well, it would be wrong of me anyway to speak on someone's behalf. Is she okay? No. You see a deep worry come over his face. The last I heard from her, she was speaking about new technologies the Empire has developed. I heard an explosion. I'm hoping that she just lost her sending stone, but I fear that she's prisoner somewhere, or I don't know how to get to her. All right. Thank you for telling me. I will take this into consideration. I'll see you at breakfast. See you tomorrow. I leave. The door pricks open to form an archway and you head out where you see Dr. Flacone was full ear to the brooks. I can't hear any. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, Zola. It's so great to see you. Are you ready? to? <laughs> we can go talk a bunch about all my uh, research. Yeah, I think I know that guy's illegitimate daughter. The two of them stand there looking at you. I keep as walking. As the doors... <laughs> you keep walking and you see Fanchi goes, Oh, wait, wait! Um, chasing after you as you guys head through the city of Everholm. Back through the Needle District, down towards the main structure, and then up to the west where you cross a sort of plaza um, before this main ziggurat cathedral citadel of the Queens, the Hale District, where the government is stationed. You head up the stairs into this crystalline branch that sparkles with a variety of colored lights within, walking into these clean carved streets with floating orbs of light that lead all the way to the end of the spire. You see that despite the hour, there is kind of casual celebration in the streets. Whatever the relaxing version of a bacchanal is, the infrastructure is built to complement and encourage that sort of lounging, lackadaisical, kind of relaxed behavior. Since the city is all inside, all the structures are covered with foliage, grapevines, fruit trees, all growing into the crystalline stone where you see food and water are being placed out. 
free to those who cannot afford the finer options available to the city. Commerce is necessary because of the city's interaction with other governments and settlements, but it seems that basic needs are clearly provided to anybody who needs them. You see mossy-looking stone beds that Fanchi explains are kind of part of the relaxation gardens known as the Wilda Wilds, where mm -hmm. elves and Aladrin and Drow lounge respite along the streets. Other pleasures, Fanchi explains, alcohol, drugs, can be found in a few of the structures near the end of the stairs. Um, as you pass by these restaurants where chefs prepare beautiful vegetarian cuisine from the gardens around them. Beyond them, at the very end of the slanted path, is a temple surrounded by miniature fountains and water gardens, pink flowers filling the air with an intoxicating aroma that calms you and fills you with delight. Beautiful Aladrin, high elves, and drow lounge in revealing robes amongst colorful jewel-toned sheer curtains on comfortable-looking cushions. Globules of sparkling light float, casting mood lighting. Um, some are playing games, some are playing music. Fanchi explains that this temple is known as the Abbe Amora. It's a tavern temple dedicated to the goddess of beauty and love for elves, Hanali Selanil. It is apparently the only temple outside of the rhyme or religious sector of Iverholm because it is not only a place of worship, but it is also kind of a brothel and a kind of district-sized tavern. The kind of, this is the borough hall of this mm -hmm. borough. Um, and as you kind of walk to the end of this um, neighborhood, you hear a voice come from a woman standing at the top waiting for you, this beautiful spring Aladrin. Bonjour, Agent Fluffler. It has been quite a while. Who are your new friends? You see this spring Aladrin with short, pale green hair braided with blue lavender flowers, her similar colored eyes hypnotizing, glowing a bit in the mood lighting of this district. Um, she is wearing a kind of beautiful um, silk robe that, if the light wasn't hitting it right, would probably be incredibly revealing, but looks like almost like a priestess robe mm. in, with the kind of the way that the lighting is set up. Fanchi goes, Bonjour, Priestess Primborgiana. This is Dregore de Gorgonzola. I believe she and her mother have a room across from Dr. Flocon's. The priestess's eyes widen slightly. Ah, Archmate Pinui sent word. Just through the main temple and up the stairs to the city-facing side. You may rest there. If you have any questions, just let me know. Otherwise, the splendor of the Frost District is yours to enjoy. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Is my mother well? She is resting. Okay. Gestures inside. You follow in with Fanchi and Dr. Flocone heading past... A little bit of an NC-17 sort of <laughs> area, which even as an adult, you're kind of like, whoa, a lot of things wow. going on in here. Very free city. <laughs> Dr. Fulcone and Fanchi, not even a little phased by it. <laughs> uh, ah, yes, very normal. Uh, you follow down one hallway lit with fairy fire torches that cast this pastel glow onto the clean stone until you turn a corner and walk into a lounge with a balcony overlooking the entire city. Two rooms splitting off from it, much like a royal bedroom setup where the king and queen might be set across the halls from each other. Um, you see Dr. Flocone rushes in and heads straight through these thick curtains into her quarters while Fanchi gestures towards the other room. We hope you find your accommodations comfortable. Tomorrow... Maybe morning, but let's be honest, probably like maybe early afternoon. Maybe we kind of found the middle ground there. We will leave from here to the Hale District in the center. Uh, until then, I recommend you do not venture far. 
you will be welcome throughout the city, but obviously the relationships with orcs and the first mites and humans, they're strained, to say the least. So if you need anything, just call. I'll be um, professionally speaking with Dr. Flocon. Okay, strange of you to add that in. That's a normal elvish thing to say. You just don't know it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can I turn it inside? Yeah. <laughs> Not 20. I fucking saw it. These two be fucking. These two are fucking. These two are in a, and probably in love, but it seems like they're in that early stage where they are like, you know, one of them, they're clearly enamored with each other, but Fancy still has to kind of like let go of the uptight upbringing she's had. I gasp for a second before I catch myself go, <gasps> Of course, professionally speaking, I will be across in this room. We should, even if our meeting isn't moved to the morning time, we should gather in the morning. Dr. Flacone and I should have a plan. We mm. need to speak carefully if we are able to get audience with the queens. I agree. I didn't want to say it in front of the Archmage, but they can be very challenging. Every word is going to count, I'm aware. Oui. Lady Noel is tough. She does not like to have her time wasted, and Lady Giselle is a bit eccentric, like Dr. Flocone, but less energy. Good to know. Just be careful. We can talk tomorrow. Maybe we'll have some, some brunch brought up. Okay, I'm going to take care of my mom now. She nods and goes... Let's talk business, Dr. Flocon. <laughs> and that's the curtain. <laughs> she looks back and goes, I assume that that's some sort of orc agreeing that this is a professional conversation and turns and that's the curtain. Um, you look and you see the beautiful kind of lavender curtain, uh, thick, almost velvet, blocking the entryway to your bedroom. Mom, I push in. You push in and find a beautiful, equally furnished space with two small elf-sized beds beside each other. Definitely gonna be a challenge to sleep in. <laughs> um, a window looks out onto the frost branch and then the city below, a breathtaking view if there ever was one. Small water garden blooms in the corner. There's a table setting nearby. This is basically just a very bougie two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Your mother does indeed lie in one of the two beds. She looks like she's been like swaddled in there. Um, she, her eyes open weakly, and she smiles at you. To think that this was all just a few miles away, huh? I know. Crazy, right? Did you see any of it when we came in, or were you sleeping? Absolutely not. Okay. I have been unconscious until about uh, 20 minutes ago. No worries. How do you feel? <sighs> Tired. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna try again in the morning. Um, before... We go to bed. Um, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about Afinash? About our people? Oh, yeah, please. Um, I am gonna, um, I lift up my bed and like deposit it next to her bed so that it makes one kind of like normal size bed. <laughs> the sound of grinding still <laughs> Just echoing through the room. I'm just fucking kicking oh, it. Oh, you don't. Oh, that's a, yes. I mean, I love it. Keep doing it. Um, I come and like, uh, Lay next to her and put my head on the pillow. Ask away. She pulls herself up, propping her up a little bit. I saw what you saw, but I wanted to know what you surmise about the political situation of the various leaders. Your perspective on whether or not change is 
possible. Oh. Well, I fear I didn't get a huge sample of the common folk. I was uh, very stressed while I was there, so I didn't get to do a lot of commingling. But it does seem like they were really excited to have a Stregorite. They were... I mean, the amount of people that were at my La Cultura, it was the most people I've probably ever seen. But also, I feel like there's this comfort that people have when it comes to falling back on old beliefs and traditions. It might be challenging for some of the folk who have lived their entire lives under Ardrahan to imagine something more but the people who who knew something else, who, who knew your role and my grandfather's role, maybe maybe it's like the opposite of most places. Like we could get through to the people who who knew you once. I hope so. And I mean there's there's Kunik too. I mean, just talking to her gave me hope. She nods, taking all the information in, clearly thinking heavily about what she wants her next move to be. And she looks at your red eye, closes hers, sighs. If their plan is to bring Grumsh to our plane... They will need to break one of these sacred seals to the Astral Sea. Children's Gate is typically restricted to travel throughout the world and the inner planes. It's possible, though, that they could open a portal to the Astral Sea. But they will need strong magic to break that seal. And a few key components to the ritual that it would require to bring him to his full strength. Like what? She again looks at your red eye. You and Ardrahan are bound to him. His faith, the magic of your title, the blood in both of your veins. All he needs is a powerful magical source that could crack the seal. The shard. She nods. Do you think your friend would help? I don't know. Time seems to be passing differently there, and I worry about Limburger's effect on the Shard. But I also wonder if I know everything about the Shard's motivations. From what you have shown me, there is still so much we do not know. But what I can surmise is that we need to nip this in the bud. Remove Ardrahan from the equation. Yes, remove Arjahan, and, well, I'm meant to meet with Lord Tinderdick in two days. I wonder if we could use him? I don't know a lot about him, but he seems like a powerful and controlling man. Maybe he would be willing to help us get the shard back just because he wants it back. Hmm. Is there a way to, to summon a magical item or or to find something? There is a very powerful spell known as the gate spell. 
that oh. maybe could be used, but I do not have access to it. But is it a conjuration spell? It's a globule. I'm about to fucking check. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a seventh level. It's a ninth level oh, conjuration shit. chart. Because you're forcibly pulling something through or punching a hole right. into the to fabric that. of reality. Okay. Part of me thinks that it might be helpful, but part of me wonders if that would just kind of be like introducing cats to a population of rats to try and control the rats, and then you get too many cats. Right. If we brought the shard here, might it be like delivering it? to Arjahan, potentially. We know that no matter what, Arjahan needs to get to Chilvin, right? Yes. He's marching on Iverholm because he knows that that would be a significant victory for his people and because it is much closer. Once he takes that, he will want to go to Chilvin, but that does buy us some time. Right. Maybe even a month if he's planning on taking his entire army. Will you braid my hair? Of course. I sit down on the floor near the bed, near where her hands are, so that she can uh, braid my hair. And I go, can I float a theory by you? Anything. I, I know that my Limburger Gangren theory was didn't hold a lot of water, but I think this one might be more relevant. I've been thinking more about, well, you saw when I went to the library in the University of Aurelia, and I read that book that book it was sort of like a like a myth of Mistra. not the cheese plane one not no okay not the important one not the so like the kind of side book that you are lightly paying attention <laughs> yeah, to yeah see it showed Mistra as a child and then growing up as she got stronger and stronger and whenever i see the shard it's like they're older and older i've been wondering if the shard was was created by by Mistra or by Mistra's sacrifice. It seems so powerful, like such a part of magic itself, like all parts of magic coming together. And I had this weird dream where I saw Mistra's statue in her, I think her temple. And, yes, and I dispelled magic on it and at the time, I wasn't really sure what I did, but I think the next time I interacted with the shard, that it was alive. What if, what if like Mistress Consciousness was in that fountain and I knocked it out and knocked it back into the shard and now it's, and now history's repeating itself and it's growing up like, like she did. I mean, we're, it feels like we're leading to a second malediction. But but why? What would... I mean, if she's back, that's a good thing. Right. Why would there be a, another maldiction? I don't know. The two of you sit there. You feel her tighten and finish one of the braids and moving on to another one. Everything will work out, mio bambino. It's... We'll be okay. I, I believe in you. And how did your dwarven friend put it? We have to think positively. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, Stilton's here too, right? 
Um, as you're saying that, you see Stilton comes in carrying like a small basket of like fruits and stuff. Clearly <laughs> went out and like did Aww. a little grocery run for your mom. Oh, thank you. I wanted us to have a little food. A little, you're, you're real thin. I need to feed you. Thanks, Mom. Uh, yeah, she, I've been eating a lot less cheese on the road. <laughs> you look you look very swole. It's funny <laughs> for your mom to think that you look thin. But you definitely have, as we said, you've gotten like much more defined muscles. I'm losing my baby fat. <laughs> you're living all of that. I mean, you're walking day after day for weeks. You I have. I've been swole. doing a through hike of Emeralia. Yeah. Um, she continues to braid your hair. Well, no matter what, I will help you in whatever way seems best. Thanks, Mom. It's just a theory, but it's something that I've been thinking about in the back of my brain. Also, Archmage Penwi, that's Cicero's father. She drops the braids. Shut up! Right? N- that's your your girlfriend? Well, we're not official. Oh, fine. I mean, it's pretty official. Based have, on what you showed me, it's have, pretty official. Mom, we haven't put a label on it yet. It's I okay. mean, are you really going around and doing that with everybody? I'm, no. no. I'm just playing it cool, Mom. I want to put words on it until she wants father. to put words on it. Anyway, she told me that her father wasn't in her life and that she had a really hard life with her mom and her brother and she was treated really badly by the people in her town and... It's just, what? what's he doing here? It is very hard to understand the motivations of a parent. I can't speak for why he stayed. Perhaps he was absorbed in his duty to his city. I can understand that. Perhaps he didn't see a way for him to fit into her life. It's not right. As you know, I feel. But there's really no telling what he was thinking when he stayed up here instead of staying with her. Yeah. Perhaps it had to do with the Empire. Maybe. Perhaps he couldn't take her with him. Hard to know. That is an adventure for your friend to go on, though. Yeah, I know. I just hope that she's okay. Me too. As she finishes braiding your hair. We're meeting with the queens for breakfast, so make sure you get up early. Oh, I'm so fucking tired. All right, yes. You know what? I should probably head off now. I am very tired. Okay. As you can tell. She rubs her neck a little bit and goes, um, we'll talk more in the morning. Okay. Are you you're leaving? No, I don't got to try and sleep. Okay. I run around and uh, make her comfy and make sure there's like, oh. water on her bed and turn the lights out. We're gonna we're gonna dispel magic on that in the morning, okay? She nods. It's really. gonna be the last night you feel like this, I promise. She smiles weakly as she closes her eyes and tries to will herself to sleep. Don't dream about the apocalypse. If I dream at all, <laughs> um. As you watch her lie down and you see her just deep breathing, trying to kind of do that thing that scientists recommend we do, which is even just closing your eyes to give your brain slight rest. Trying to sleep is better than not at all. And eventually you begin to settle down for bed, still in kind of making a little nest near the water garden. Is there anything you want to do before you fall asleep? Yeah. I, um, I like get ready for bed this is probably the first time that i've had access to like a 
or first time in a while that I've had access to like a nice bathroom and like some skincare products. Like oh, they've got little sampler nice. bottles. Like, it's fully stocked. Tiny soaps, all of them shaped like little ravens. I try all the perfume testers. <laughs> it's an overwhelming <laughs> pungent aroma as you walk out. Your mom goes, "Whoa! What did you did you kill a bouquet in there?" They have a lot of stuff in there. You can try them all. I'm gonna step out and make a couple calls. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. You head back into the hallway. Um, who do you want to call? I guess first I'll call Smite. It's so funny. I actually have written that Smite would call you. Oh, So cute. as you are like picking up the phone to dial his number, you suddenly hear a call oh. come through. I'm in the middle of dialing his number, which is Justice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just text me at... <laughs> J-U-S-T-I-C-E. Um, wow, that's really the perfect amount of letters, huh? <laughs> um, as you're, you're dialing, you hear, Zola, checking in. How's your mom? We're so happy you found her. Heist went okay, and I'm joining Brigid to assist in an evacuation tomorrow. Hi, I was about to call you. My mom's okay. She's sick. But we're getting help. I'm in Ever home trying to get the wheels turning. There's a pause. I'm so sorry about your mother. I'm glad that she's getting help, though. Um, Everholm, that's crazy far. <laughs> Whoa, I've never even been out of the city. It's nice. The infrastructure here is good. I mean, examples? Like, do they have, like, how do they care for the least, um you know, provided for people. Just seems like their trash gets picked up, honestly. That's, that doesn't happen. What are you talking about? <laughs> what is this, a utopia? <laughs> Come on, Zola. Stop fucking with me. I haven't seen trash on the streets yet. I'm trying to figure out where, where they keep it all. Elves are weird. Um, oh, uh, just wanted to let you know. Yes. Kittle took your advice. Oh. Managed to have s- some success. Not really sure. Not my bag. Right. We'll see how it works in the long run. Perhaps future automatons will be affected by it. Wow. Big. Nice going, Kittle. Um, breakdown of my plans over the next few days. I meet with the queens of Everholm tomorrow. You're blowing up right now. I know. Then the first might starts marching on Everholm the following day. I need to get to the Astral Sea to meet with Lord Tinderdick about the Shard. Big days ahead. Big days ahead. Where are you meeting Brigid? We are meeting at the Temple of the Wild. Um, That's where we've been doing all of our evacuations. They've been going well. Next one's another big one, so I'm going to be there to help Moss. Okay. Things are coming to a head. Seems like it. Don't be afraid to call if you need help. I know that we we will if needed. You too. I could probably get there pretty fast now. Oh, ho, ho, ho. well, aren't you quite the caster now? What did you learn? Um, I've got this, well, I've got a new shard. Motherfucker. Another one of these fucking things. <laughs> They're everywhere. Things really are coming to a head. Well, okay. Keep me posted. Same. Um, 
I should head off. Lots to prepare for. I hope you and your mom get some quality time together before all that bullshit. I touch the braids in my hair. Thanks. We're squeezing it in. Um, tell Brigitte I said hi. Will do. Anyways, uh, sleep tight. You too. The call goes silent. I dial Marfin's number. Okay. Marfin, I know you won't get this, but I'm figuring it all out, and I'm going to help you get out of there. Keep MP safe. Your voice goes out into the world. Roll a d20 for me. Let's see if it even gets to him. As long as it's not a one. Okay. So it does go through, but again, no response. Not even his voicemail? The voicemail comes through, but as it comes through, it's like patchy. It's like, hi, you've... Please leave a... If this is... Make it a good one. Don't bury the... (laughs) (laughs) And you know that that last part's for for. you. (laughs) Uh, is there anything else or anyone else you want to call before you go to bed? Yeah. I uh, dial Captain Sticks slash Cesar Rose's number again. Captain Sticks, Cesar Rose. Just thinking of you guys. Hope everything's okay. Cesar Rose, I hope it's okay. I met your dad and I told him. You're in trouble. I dial again right away and go, I'm coming for you. I don't know when or where, but at some point, I'm coming for you. It's late. Feel the call go out. Well, well, well. If it isn't the weird farm girl I met at sea, I still got your dagger, salami stealer. Dare Boucher. The one and only. <laughs> I fucking can't with you, oh my god. You and that wench, Captain Snakes, are gonna pay for what you stole. Where is she? Why do you have her phone? <laughs> That's none of your concern. And you hear a call from the background. Zola? Zola, is that you? Cicero's? No one else is here. Stop calling this number. <laughs> Zola immediately feels... <laughs> so relieved knowing that Terry Boucher is such <laughs> an incompetent piece of shit. Zola's immediately like, oh, thank God they're going to be okay. If you don't return to Battlewing by Harvest Peak, I will proceed with my judgment of this criminal. No, let's make it the day after. Roll a persuasion check. You have to give me 48 hours notice, at least. Three. See you soon. And then the line goes down. Fuck. I'm so overbooked. <laughs> Your schedule is fucking packed. Wow. Zola feels sudden invigoration. <laughs> the adventure is back on. <laughs> <laughs> I go and lay next to my mom and buzz. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, just have a lot of anxious energy for tomorrow. Come here. She puts an arm around you and holds you close. I put my head on her shoulder and close my eyes. 
and I take a little sniff. <laughs> <laughs> you smell very pungent still. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry, it's all the, all the perfumes. So many scents. <laughs> I didn't shower. I just covered. We are going to have to bathe tomorrow morning. <laughs> For sure. If we have time before we meet with the queens. We should definitely shower before we meet the queens. <laughs> the two of you drift off. Your mother, not so successfully, unfortunately. But... You do slip into sleep. I dream of drowning in a box of salami. <laughs> Falling through boxes of salami. <laughs> Debusher. Ha ha ha. I took that dagger and now I've got your girlfriend. Ha ha ha. It's such an antagonistic thing. My dagger, a thing I so don't care about. I'm like, what dagger? <laughs> oh, right. I threw that at someone. You, you got that? Nice. <laughs> I figured that fell into the sea. <sighs> Finally, after a long emotional day, you pass out. You have these crazy salami adjacent <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Just all of them with Dare Boucher's face on them. Why did you eat me? I was someone else's property. Sausages flying on my face. It's a gay <sighs> panic dream and a dream about my life. <laughs> so many levels. <laughs> um, finally, you <sighs> blink, awake, morning comes. You look over. Your mother's not in the bed next to you. Mom? You call out no response. Uh, I run into the bathroom. Okay. You rush into the bathroom. No one's in there. I um, rush out um, as I'm like ho- hopping, putting on my Crocs and like throwing my bag over my head. I cast non-detection on the uh, conjuration shard as I'm like stumbling out the door. You rush out and find yourself running into a black void. You're not awake at all. You're still asleep. She's not gone. Not yet. You turn and you see the massive form of Limburger hulking, decomposing, ten or so feet away, one eye drooping, both glowing, slightly green, an uncomfortable, friendly smile upon his face. I'm so happy for you, Zola. Is she everything you've ever dreamed of? You hear another voice from behind you and turn and see the shard, now probably a teenager, not much younger than you, their androgynous body more and more human. Though still retaining the sparkling clear but opalescent color of the shard, their eyes are proportional, the pupils are mismatched, one tiny, one completely full, but they're essentially a humanoid. And you can see the gem origins, the sharpness in some of their form, their cheekbones, long pointed ears, but they seem to have kind of crossed the threshold into becoming more humanoid than gem. I ignore Limburger and turn towards the shard. Wow, look at you. It's been a while. Do you need help? You're already helping me, Sola. I'm trying. We've been waiting for quite some time. For what? I missed you. Are you coming soon? I mean, if you drop me coordinates, I'll be there lickety-split. We can do that. You hear a rush of flame and find yourself standing in the streets of Grunch's fortress city, the main compound rising, twisting and sharp into the astral sky. A crack of lightning shocks through the cosmic clouds, a furious storm brewing. The battle still rages amongst his followers, though again, none are focused on you, Limburger, and the Shard. 
who now stand before you together in between you and the fortress. It's almost time. So you're here already. Just waiting to be picked up. Ardrahan knows. He's making the moves he needs to make. Will you? You're being a creep in his dreams too, huh? I mean, we're like best friends, so it's not really creepy if I visit him in his dreams. It's a little creepy. It'd be creepy if I visited my best friend in their dreams at night. I wouldn't find it creepy. And that's the problem here. What are you... Ignoring Limburger again and looking at the shard. Someone asked me something really important once. What is it you want? Not me. Not what I want for you. Not what Limburger wants for you. What do you want? I want... A world that I can be proud of. I want power to be exhibited freely. I want to be whole again. What's missing? A vessel. Limburger speaks again. Time passes differently here, of course, but... Um, you shouldn't keep Ardrahan waiting, at least. He's got his own calendar. You know, Harvest Peak comes soon. I'll see you for the holiday. I look again at the shard. It's good to spend holidays around the people you love. When Harvest Peak comes and Harvest Peak goes, those who know will come to the gate. When both of his eyes look upon the sea, they will see the face of fate. Follow the path. It's time for action. Don't let your ties be a distraction. Open, open, take us in. Let us reunite again. And then you wake up, the tusk in your hands glowing with arcane power, your mother kind of scrambling to get out of the bed. Zola, Zola, what's wrong? Are you okay? Are you okay? Did they practice that? What? You, you were dreaming, honey. It's okay. I drop the tusk out of my hands. Clangs on the stone floor. You were gone. I woke up and you were gone. I'm here. I'm here. And she hugs you close. I'm not going anywhere. The shard, it's older now. And doing slam poetry. With Limburger? Yeah, they're doing like a partner thing. Slam poetry doesn't really need a second person, but there's something to be said if there's a good dynamic between the two of them. I don't think this is a good collaboration. I shouldn't have even said that. It's kind of, now that I said it out loud and based on the memories you gave me... The shard said they're looking for a vessel. Well, if the shard is going to assist in bringing Grumsh, then... They would need the vessel, and that would be you and Arjahan. Right. But they seem... They seem humanoid themselves. Hmm. Why would they need a vessel? Unless they just mean for the task? 
Was were they asking for themselves or for for the for for Limburger and Grumsch? Oh. I I I ask fully, not knowing. What do you feel? I don't know. Is it weird that I feel sometimes like the Shard and Limburger are speaking to me at the same time, but I almost feel like they're speaking to me about different things sometimes. Is it that, I don't know if it's just naivety that I, that I hope that there's still a glimmer of good in the Shard, or if they're trying to tell me something. Well, only you can know that. You have to trust your gut. Do what feels right. Also, Ciceros is in Paddlewick. What? I give her the whole <laughs> rundown. As you, you guys talk it out, you see that it's probably about noon-ish, actually. You ended up sleeping in. You guys got in, like, like very late last night. Right. And then on top of that, you had a conversation. You walked across the city, like, both ways. Mm-hmm. So you woke up. It's kind of 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And as you finish telling this story, your mother being like, Whoa. There is a lot going on. I don't know what to do. I mean, the Shard and Limburger, it seems like they're already where they're trying to go. I don't know if there's any hope in trying to retrieve the Shard at this point. I think that might have to be like a game time operation. Like, Mm. I meet them on the field. If it comes to saving someone... Ciceros is here on this plane. She's real flesh and blood, and she's in trouble, and she matters to me. I know it's silly to think about her when things are so cosmic, but... It makes total sense. I often thought of your father when things were as bad as they got. You think it's bad if I flake on Lord Tinderdick? Is it too late to flake? As I've always said, if you flake on a man, it's not flaking. It doesn't count, it's right? It's self-care. <laughs> You're right, Mom. <laughs> that is self-care. That's self-care. I might flake. You have to do what feels right. You have to stick by your friends and know that something's got to give. You should act on what seems most pressing and closest to your heart. The rest, well, we'll deal with the consequences. I don't think it's smart for me to go to the Astral Sea right now. I will admit it. I didn't want to say anything, but given the plan with Arjahan, it's risky. So... Fuck me. I pull out uh, one of my <laughs> flying birds from my backpack. Um, all right, a message. Um, Lord Tinderdick... My B. <laughs> Total change of tone from the first message. First message was very formal. This is a teen writing this, this message a, now. I hastily scrolled. My B overbooked myself. Could you meet me in Paddlewick on Harvest Peak instead? If he was going to meet me in the Astral Sea, like, he's probably got a ride, right? I'm... I mean, he's a wizard. 
Is he not? Yeah. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. I mean, I'm a wizard, too. Yeah, we're fine. But I'm, I'm busy. Right. Wizard, we're, wizards are busy. Mom, should we try and get rid of that thing once and for all? You look so tired. Uh, see, it, I didn't want to bring it up, but if you want to try, I'm certainly ready. Before or after brunch? Before. Okay. I mean, it would be really nice to eat a to meal and not brunch. have it be like someone's closing my throat as yeah. I chew. Yeah, okay. Um, Silly question. No. Thank you for asking. Um, and I'll tell you right now, your mother's actually now at four levels of exhaustion. Oh, no. Because it scales essentially on a 12-hour instead of a 24-hour scale. <gasps> Wait, isn't five instant death? Six is instant Six. death. No! <laughs> so she currently, I'll tell you right now, because I mean... Here's hoping that you are able to dispel. But currently, three levels of exhaustion. She has disadvantage on ability checks. Her speed is halved, and she has disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Okay. You also notice something else. You see that the tusk, physically, especially after your dream, looks different. You see strange, like, orcish arcane glyphs inscribed on the main blade. You see that is indeed very, ever so slightly serrated. And you see that there seems to be a sort of abjurative glow to it. Uh, give me an arcana check. And I'll let you roll with advantage because you're attuned to the weapon. 18. As you pick up the blade and hold it in your hands, preparing to cast a spell magic, you feel more connected than you ever have to it. You feel like it has divinely awoken and it is almost more a part of you. You connect and understand that you have touched into the core of its abjurative magic. It is not now just a like simple, I can cast this spell sort of situation. It is a well of magic within it that you can repurpose how you'd like. And with that role, I'll also tell you that you sense that there is perhaps even more magic than you had previously unlocked now available to you. Mm -hmm. So, you pick up the blade. It glitters in your hand, warm to the touch. I gesture to my mom to put her hands on the pommel with me. She so does. So that we're kind of gathered around it together. And I then take my hand out from under hers and put it on top of hers and squeeze her hand and cast a spell magic. Roll a check using your spell casting modifier. Okay. 23. The energy flows through the two of you. Powerful, protective, warm. It is strange that something so violent and dangerous could be protective. And in a strange way you feel a connection to not just the blade but the entire bloodline of your family heading all the way back to Defamage Famaji, the first of all the Stregorides. You focus on that protective energy, focus on the love you have for your mother and the desire to break this curse that these people have placed upon her unjustly and there is a flash of light as the chains shatter and almost physically clatter to the floor before vanishing into spectral light. Your mother oh, oh wow wow that feels so much better. I still feel like shit but wow I knew you could do it. She touches her neck again. Whew. 
Oh, wow. I really want to go to bed now. <laughs> I toss the tusk aside and hug her really hard. She hugs you now, and though you didn't even sense it before, there was clearly a, like, partial hesitation there mm-hmm. of someone who is, like, as we've described before, in such chronic pain that she's not able to give her full strength. This somehow supersedes the first mom hug you got and is overwhelmingly oh, wow. warm and tight. And she kisses you a bunch on the head you, um, before letting you go. You can do the impossible. I know you can. You can do the impossible. Look at you. Maybe someday. You're here in Everholm. You're out from Arjahan's thumb. You've already done it. Today is the Sunday. Thank you. You are your own person, Mom. The the free Stregerede. Kind of a nice ring to it. It's kind of sick. I've been thinking about it. We have to, you know, we got to differentiate ourselves somehow. It's important to give names to things. It provides context and significance and, oh my God, my baby's a freaking genius. <laughs> Wow! You are a prodigy. I am so proud. Thanks, Mom. Okay. I have an extremely tight schedule. I look at the, um, the 15 minute by 15 minute uh, <laughs> like uh, schedule I've made for cal- myself to like save the world. MCAL, Marfin calendar app open. You're checking out all the dates you have in there. It's We're very busy. very late for breakfast. We should go. You hear a knock on like the archway on the other side of the curtain dividing the rooms. Um, are you... Are you guys awake? Yes, we're coming. Um, we have some brunch out here, if you're interested. Wonderful. Are the queens here as well? Why? No, no. They would <laughs> never. No, I'm sorry. That, that's... I did receive word. What happened to the plan? Zola looks genuinely <laughs> confused. I I spoke with him. He managed to get an early meeting. We will. We have... Late lunch. A late lunch. I, I can compromise with late lunch. I can compromise with that. You and your mother. Your mother fully needing your help to get out of bed. Again, despite having been cured of the curse, she still is suffering the four levels of exhaustion. I think I'll uh, say to my mom, I'm happy to have your input, but I'll bring you a little breakfast in bed if you want to just take it easy for a little bit. No, no, no. I, I can join you. Maybe... Um, We'll see about the the queen call, but I yeah, yes, you I can take a nap before late lunch if anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the two of you walk out, you helping her, and you see a gorgeous spread, full French breakfast. You got some pastries, croissants. You got um, just pretty much anything you can ask for. You see that the vast majority of this cuisine is vegetarian, mostly mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's kind of one. They live in an incredibly cold place, having like constant stream of meat available it's just not very common Mm -hmm. there is some hunting done but it looks like all the cuisine before you is stuff that can be easily accessible within the frost district so there are a few eggs but in general it is it's a fully vegetarian breakfast Mm. lots of fruits Um, no meat huh (laughs) i look at my mom (laughs) your mother picking up what the um this is a squash is this what is this and they go ah that is uh vegan bacon and she goes ah that squash, mom. I'll have a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> um, the two of you join them, and you all enjoy a nice brunch. Uh, is there anything that you want to specifically say to them, or a kind of plan that you want to establish with them before you head off to this very important royal meeting? Yeah, they're trying to talk to me about politics, but I get caught up in explaining oat milk to my mom because I see it on the table and I feel like an expert. It's as thick as milk, but so it- they milk the oat 
Only druids can do it. You're telling me that <laughs> an oat was milk for this? <laughs> I mean, I respect the viscosity. It is milk Oats come in two breeds, extra creamy and vanilla. <laughs> the Dr. Flacone, for the first time, is in pure awe silence. As Fancy <laughs> looks to her and goes, I, I, that's, I don't think that's true. And Dr. Flacone is pulling out a notepad slowly and inscribing some notes upon it. You guys, yeah, you enjoy okay, your yeah, meal. Okay, yeah, after that, then... <laughs> I spent a good 20 minutes of the two hours we have to we talk, talk about, about milk. for a while. Um, <sighs> yes, I will speak to uh, Agent Fanchi and Dr. Flacone and uh, basically want to kind of get some information first on, like, the queens generally. I mean, are they kind of, like, proactive people or... What what do you think? Like, what are their values? What were their platforms they, they ran on? They have been in power for almost a millennia now. No platform, then. So, I mean, the platform is mainly handled by the various councils who work with the various cities to see what they need. The independent governments. Correct. Right. And I would say that they kind of oversee, not simply, although I must say the cultural aspect of the role is very important, but they oversee all the traditions and the goings-on of Iverholm itself, but they also are very committed to protecting the Elvish people. They've kind of held an isolationist policy for many, many, well, I mean, our entire settlement here because of the risky nature it is. And so they do command an army. Is there an Everholm army or is the army sort of like a militia from all the different elven empires and they would all have to align to have any kind of real numbers? There are a significant number of the Queen's forces available to us in the city, correct? Okay. It's definitely an independent army from the other cities though. Okay. Good to know. I... My confidence... In our success against the First Might only comes from the arcane bubble. Right. I think that if we came down to a battle on the fields, we would be severely outmatched. Oh, okay. I'm worried about the bubble. But it's... It is never broken. It is maintained by mages. It is powered by the Cabochon Sanctuaire, which is a crystal of abjurative magic. It, it's never been bro- broken before. I don't see how it could be broken this time. Okay. <laughs> Zola. <laughs> feeling, feeling a um, Chekhov's crystal in her hands. <laughs> uh, well, let's never say never. Um, Fair. Do you feel as though the queens, and forgive me, I don't mean to insult you, but are are the queens um greedy or are... What do we feel is our concern about speaking to them about the numerous items of power that exist in the balance right now? Are we concerned that they would want it for themselves? Ah, well, perhaps Lady Noel would see the benefits of what you are speaking of. Um, It is possible that she would advocate for confiscating things like that but lady giselle she well her interests are kind of unknowable she is a very strange strange woman how so between you and me i worry she's not all there oh i don't 
Not to what degree, but she looks lost. Archmage Pai Nui assures me that everything is fine, but for my entire life, <laughs> several hundred years, don't tell Dr. Falcon, it has been apparent that she has kind of got her head in the clouds. Huh. Noel does a lot of the more serious work. And so, Archmage Panui, you trust him? With my life. Okay. But you didn't know that he had a daughter? That seems kind of like the thing um, you would want to know. Dr. Falcone chimes in, <laughs> hand on a croissant. Fancy snaps a look towards her and looks to you. If he did not want to tell me, he must have had his reasons. That's fair. It's personal. Did not affect our work, so... That's true. I had no reason to inquire. That's fine. But... Whoa. She's great. Well, that's good to hear at least. <laughs> um, well, gang, I think I'm just going to wing it. Everyone, you hear this clatter of silverware as everyone <laughs> kind of puts things down. Your mother looks to you. Mm? Um, do you have... Uh, um, maybe maybe an agenda would be helpful. Not necessarily, uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? What's the kind of the list? Right, okay. The list would be that tomorrow Ardrahan marches on Everholm. Okay, and first might. Right, we cannot rely on the fact that they won't crack the arcane bubble because Ardrahan is incredibly powerful and also Limburger holds the same interests as him. Hmm. And if what you say is true, my daughter had a dream. She does that kind of stuff. Um, I'm an orcicle. She's an orcicle. And the two of you guys look like, whoa, nodding. (laughs) If, you know, what your dreams were saying is true, it's not something to be taken lightly. It seems like they are aligned and that Limburger, who is a longstanding enemy of my daughter's, has been in direct communication with him. A powerful mage and potentially a lich. Between a cleric and a lich who are determined to crack a bubble, I... We're worried about the bubble, guys. Might, we might worry We're, about the bubble The concern a is bit. about the bubble. I think we gotta put the bubble into... We can't just count on the bubble. Second is that we need to align with Chilvin. Maybe Swell can help us with that, but the step is from here to Chilvin to use their arcane gate, so... So there has are... to be some kind of communication, some kind of plan between the two cities, whatever the standing is currently. Things throughout the empire, as you know, are very isolated. So it is possible that they would answer the call because of the nature of the relationship. But Chilvin is definitely one of the places who's a little more isolationist than the others okay we, that, will, we should try i agree let's keep this on the agenda isolation but I want to time let you know. is over mm, it's time to get some friends everyone needs to come out of their shell everyone needs to say yes to life right now and no to resurrecting a god you feel your mother's hand on your shoulder as she nods that should be the thesis statement of this whole thing is we yeah. cannot be isolationist anymore. I think there those are the two items. I'm first might end of the world. Yes. I'm going to try and linger the least amount on the shards. I know I can't keep it entirely out because well that's where Limburger is and um, 
you know, they're going to ask how I teleported all of these people here and stuff, but... Ah, uh, yes, um, you said Charles, um, Dr. Flocone, standing up and actually coming over to your seat and kind of, like, whispering to you, can I see it? <laughs> yeah, I, I let her hold it. She takes it in her hands. Oh my god. I see it warming up. Don't teleport anywhere. <laughs> okay, so any conjuration spell? Any conjuration spell, but it's tricky. She conjures a plate right next to her full of uh, giant roast turkey. Oh! I take the shard out of her hand. <laughs> oh, come on. A few more tests. Let me see. Could be very important for our research. I think it's unstable. Okay, but I want to speak to the queens about what's going on with the weave. This directly is a part of that. Yes. And you said you transported... Hundreds of people into the city. Well, I think really what we concentrate with the weave is what's going on in Glaciel. Because there's something happening. And I talked to them a little bit about the people okay. that I saw um, frozen in time. If they have any questions also about like Limburger and stuff like that, I, I answer them. Because I know that when I spoke with them, I was like a little vague when yeah. we were traveling the forest. So but you like fill in the gaps yeah, of who these people are. Yeah, fill in the to. gaps about the fact that I that I had a shard and, and where it is in Limburger. And um, speak to them about... The the time variations that I have seen in these different planes and the appearing and disappearing and reappearing people that I saw in Glaciel, there's some strange magical effect rippling across. I think we focus on what's impacting their people. The weather is getting worse. Whole towns are having to hide at night. Yes, the shards are involved, but I just worry about them falling into the wrong hands. So maybe we focus on the other magical disturbances. Franchi nods, understanding, and you see Dr. Flocone taking extensive notes. And then eventually she dots something and looks to you. All right. I will try not to draw so much focus on the shards. But if the opportunity arises... Presenting it as evidence might be helpful to our case. Right. Just consider it. Let's start with talking about this first night's dive, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Dr. Fulcone clearly not at all faced by the aspect. <laughs> but she kind of looking at her like, um, it's kind of a big deal, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Dr. Fulcone goes, and then we will move on to what's going on with the world. Yes. Is there anything else we need to talk about with them? Fancy puts a finger to her temple. They are ready to see us now. We should head over soon. I think that's a good place to start. I don't want to put too much on their plates. Fair. Your mother goes, Yes, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> you see her barely able to pull herself out of there. Um, and you see Fancy goes, We can send the cleric up here to see if we can ease some of the exhaustion you're feeling. Yes, if anyone could could cast greater restoration or, or anything like that. She just needs rest, but the worst of it is over. It's a powerful magic, but I do believe that there are some within the perhaps even the Abbe Amora and she gestures to the building that you are in um, who can help at least a little bit. And essentially, mechanically, you gather that they may not be able to cure all four levels at once because of just the nature. I mean, that's five diamonds essentially mm -hmm. worth like hundreds of gold something that you said you'd pay for and you know that was of course you know accepted but 
it's um, a very powerful process. Yeah. Um, this is the former leader of the first night, the true Shrigarede, my mother, she, please, whatever you can do for her. We will see it done. Your mother will be taken care of. Feel better, Mom. I'm going to go meet the queens. Yes, I'm going to go take a nap. I realized that <laughs> me even assuming that I should go was a bad idea. I should go to bed. Um, I'll leave Stilton with her and say, Ha! If you need me, send Stilton. Ha! Settles in, kind of making a nest in her hair. Oh, 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 yes, all right, that's fine. I'm tired <laughs> enough to not be able to fight against these. I rolled disadvantage on my attacks anyways. <laughs> Um, you help your mother back into bed, you help her get all situated, and she is out like a light. That woman had not slept in essentially four days worth of energy, mm-hmm. so she is ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. You rejoin Fanchi and, of course, Dr. Flocon, and the three of you head out of the Abbe Amora, down the garden and... <laughs> pleasure <laughs> covered <laughs> dendrite of this district um, and are led back to the main ziggurat citadel of the queens. By the way, whenever I leave my mom, I'm leaving her with the rod of lordly might. Okay. Like I'm not I, leaving her unarmed. All right. That's going to be essentially, I mean, she knows she can summon a rapier with it. That's actually her weapon of choice now mm-hmm. as she is not strong enough to carry the task. Mm-hmm. So she um, goes... I'll keep it under my pillow. Perfect. <laughs> Safe way to store your weapons, folks. Comfortable. <laughs> you are led out um, and approach the central district, a skyscraper-sized ziggurat made of the bluish ice crystal with icicle-like towers rising around it, the center of the snowflake megastructure that looms over the residential areas of Hivraholm. Elegant silver-armored high elves and drow are positioned intermittently through the simple but beautiful administrative buildings of this government, the only humanoid presence here. No workers to be seen, just a few globules of light dancing above them, and the occasional raven landing and surveying the scene before flying off. Um, There are gardens of beautiful, strange, bluish foliage. You see, like, dark bushes that kind of straddle between purple and blue. You see crocus flowers sprouting up it is beautiful and the gentle sway of them in some sort of self-created breeze is the only movement the guards almost frozen in place as you walk by them kind of like um in buckingham palace they're (laughs) very very stoic unmoving their eyes don't even follow you as you guys just walk straight by them through the courtyard into this massive gateway that leads deep into the citadel this is known as the Winter's Beacon. It is a lavish abode of the Elven Queens, Lady Noelle Shadowshine and Lady Giselle Shadowshine. The top glows blue like a sapphire with a light cast upon it, a signal to all seeking the literal crown jewel of this city, the Cabochon Sanctuary. There is no front door, only a tall, narrow archway with beautiful fractal carvings along its ridge and more legionnaires guarding the space. Walking past and entering, you look into this blue-lit hall, a long lobby with more beautiful foliage lining the walls, broken up by elegant marble statues and stained-glass artwork depicting the unification of the Shadowshine Empire and the history that has accompanied it. Um, You also see some religious imagery of the various elven pantheon that this city observes. 
It's eerily quiet in here, as if perhaps because of their long lives, the time scale on which they run their day or operate their facilities has shifted dramatically. Aside from the occasional warrior, there are no other people working in this building. Many of the hallways lead to the various offices, uh, but you don't ignore all of that, heading straight up a large stairwell that leads towards the grand hall of these queens, the throne room. As you are passing through this vast structure and brought before this throne room, Fanchi gives you a brief spiel on your behavior for the queens. When you meet the queens, you need to follow the proper protocols. When they arrive, you are expected to bow or curtsy, your Mm -hmm. preference. When it comes to this meeting, follow their lead. Don't speak unless spoken to. Do not touch anything unless you are given explicit permission. No spell casting without permission. All weapons must remain sheathed while in the presence of the royals. And when you refer to them, refer to them only as the queens, or your majesty, or lady shadowshine, or your queenliness. Nothing else. No first names. Are we clear? Yeah. Okay. Finally, you are led up to this thick, arched, crystalline door covered in beautiful fractal patterns that amaze and mesmerize, a raven soaring in the middle. Guards posted outside eye you closely as you approach, the first ones to even really look at you. They snap to attention, slam their pikes to the ground, and the doors begin to slowly open. This opaque blue-white crystal door reveals the throne room. I lean towards one of the guards as the doors start to open. You can introduce me as the Stregoridae. They silently uh, acknowledge that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um, say nothing as you step into this space. Thanks. It is empty. It is a beautiful, beautiful space with this these two, again, snowflake-inspired thrones, like these sharp icicles, similar to like the Iron Throne in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, but a lot more beautiful and a lot more focused on the aesthetic of it rather than like a position of anger or mm-hmm. threat. As you are brought in with Fanchi and Dr. Flocon, you see that it is kind of like an amphitheater with a number of seats and desks like encircling that stone platform where these massive pillars lead to. Um, and at the top, where the thrones are, you see that there is a beautiful stained glass window um, that glitters as the midday light catches it, revealing a lavender purple sort of sunset with a black raven soaring into it. Mm. Um, As you admire that, you find a position directly in front of that platform, the three of you waiting in silence. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. A few times, Fanchi clocks that you're kind of restlessly moving, and she just casts you a look that's basically like the same. We got to follow the protocol. Just Mm got to follow the protocol. And you keep waiting and waiting. And then you hear the sound of a door opening far on the other side of the room as a royal guard enters. Announcing Queens, Lady Noel Shadowshine. And Lady Giselle Shadowshine. And they enter and move to the right as several footsteps of these silver legionnaires march in and take key positions throughout the space. A few drow and high elves that actually you recognize some of the people who Fanchi was traveling with. Mm-hmm. Clearly they are like some form of elite guard. Mm-hmm. They One of them nods to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I message, what's up? 
Great to see you. Glad you made it. <laughs> you um, keep holding your position as the guards file in, and then eventually, these veiled elven handmaidens enter. Eight of them walking before these two elven queens. One, a striking drow elf, Lady Noelle Shadowshine, her charcoal purplish skin, red eyes sparkling like well-polished daggers. She wears a military uniform, a black jacket decorated with various medals and dignifiers of her role. Um, you see that she is also very well armed. She has a like a very beautiful looking scimitar, which kind of reminds you of l'ombre brillance. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also notice that she, underneath her like cloak, has a number of daggers that just glint. Your your eye of groom clocking mm -hmm. the weaponry on a potential opponent before mm -hmm. you could even instinctually ignore it. And you also see she has very short cut hair it's like very um it's like a pixie cut of this like white silvery drow hair gorgeous it kind of sparkles in the light she despite having that ageless kind of beautiful elvish appearance seems to have some sign of aging you know a few wrinkles this kind of very elegant uh, um, elder woman who is clearly outfitted to be an incredible warrior, whether or not you're sure if she actually is one. Mm -hmm. Next to her, you see Lady Giselle, this slightly um, rouged brown skinned high elf with bright bubblegum pink hair that matches her bright eyes that look out into the space lost, as Fanchi described. Her white, almost wedding gown-like dress seems to glide over the floor, a silver necklace containing a shining blue stone that reminds you of the one atop of the Ziggurat Palace. Slightly lighter in color, more like silvery blue than like the deep, abjurative blue. The two of them are brought up the stairs to the platform where you see them take their places before their thrones, Noel on the left, Giselle on the right, looking down at you for a moment before taking their seats. Silence takes the space, and you find yourself standing before these two beautiful elder elves. I curtsy. Fanchi does as well, as does Dr. Flocone, though a little bit delayed, kind of just <laughs> looking at her notes, goes, bows quickly, and then goes back to scribbling. And as you finish, you see they look at you for a long few seconds before Lady Noel Shadowshine narrows her eyes. Our lives may be long, but I do not have forever. Speak. Your queenliness, thank you for carving out your late lunch to meet with me. I am the Stregarede, Gorgonzola Parma. My mother is Mozzarella, the former chief of the First Might and the Free Stregarede. I come to you directly from Affinage, where I discovered Sacerdote Arjahan has a plan to march on your beautiful city, really nice by the way, great infrastructure. Come Harvest Peak, they will be heading here in an attempt to crack the arcane bubble, take over the city, and then march on Chilvin where they intend to use their sacred gate to resummon their god Groomsh. There is a long beat of silence in this space before Lady Noel lets out a deep belly laugh. Wow, I appreciate your concern, but... And you see Lady Giselle puts up a hand, still kind of lost. No, my love. I have been expecting them. You see Noelle looks to her. 
a little shocked. And Giselle again, still not making eye contact, very dazed, looking around. Come, tell us your story, Gorgonzola. Sure, I would love to. Lady Shadowshine, and I look directly at uh, Giselle, even though her eyes are kind of wandering. Um, if you've been expecting me, then you may know that I have to unsheath my weapon for this part. You see Lady Noel goes, absolutely not, that is, and again Giselle raises her hand. That is quite all right. You may. I'm looking at making eye contact with the members of the Elves Beyond that surround me. They all, like, very wide-eyed, not <laughs> expecting the queens to react in either of these ways, um, nod eagerly to you, like, do fast, do fast. <laughs> I take the tusk gingerly out of uh, its sheath, approach a few steps, and then kneel and hold it up to uh, Lady Giselle, still at like the bottom of the steps so that she would have to like rise and take it from me so that I don't seem like a threat, but I would like to offer her the tusk in uh, the first step of casting recap on her. Okay. Give me a persuasion check. I'll, um, this is... You've you've been given a meeting and you're approaching well. You can roll with advantage on this. Okay. Fifteen. Lady Noel, still eyeing Giselle, waves a hand, and you see that Archmage Pinui, who steps out from the shadows, uses telekinesis to raise the blade up out of your hands and bring it before her. You also notice at this point that Swell is actually among the ranks of some of the people here. She's kind of positioned in the back of the auditorium watching. Um, as the blade is brought in front of and placed in the hands of Lady Noel, who, as you see Archmage Pinui put down his hand and the weight returns to it, doesn't even flinch as she catches the blade in her hands. An incredible weapon. As soon as uh, it lands in her hands, I close my eyes and cast recap. This flood of memories flowing from the blade into her hands. She grips it tighter and looks shocked. You see a number of the guards like pulling out their blades. And Fetch goes, I saw no casting. And then as this is all happening, are you going to press deeper or are you going to just start with the memories? I start with the memories and I'm trying to kind of curate them to be like, it's like mostly the time that I spent in Afanage, um, mm. and then finding my mother and um, some some stuff about the shard, but like I don't go a ton into like my time with the Feral Free or anything like that. Just kind of like the various like militaristic things that I have been learning, um, and also there is still like there's no way to take the shard out of my story but um, maybe focusing instead on like the power of Limburger and my experiences with him and his magical capability. Right. The threats that this civilization faces. Yes. 
it um, is it is a, a highlight reel of the threats. <laughs> <laughs> There's not as much teen angst uh, as the one I cast on my mom. A fan video of violence. <laughs> um, all of those. Oh my god! It's like those TikToks where it's like, like what are those called when they do like oh, first, the like, like smash cuts, <laughs> yeah, the, like. The emojis and like. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you flow of memories into her mind. You see, she grips the sword. And the guards begin to, you know, break from their position and start approaching you. Pikes out. You see Fanchi putting her hands up. No, no, it's okay, it's okay, Doctor Falcongo. It's very important for the. And, and you know, like, as they're trying to like dissuade them. I'm still kneeling with my eyes closed. As you <laughs> release the memories, and you see Lady Noel falls back into her seat. Lady Giselle raises a hand as if to hold the guards, who, as you open your eyes, have pikes pointed inches from your face. It was different than I imagined. Giselle looks off, as if somehow she knows what you just showed Noelle. I glance around at everyone. A simple memory-sharing spell. Lady Noelle, still blinking as she holds the sword in her seat. Giselle next to her, equally as lost, but in a totally different way. You see, Noelle looks to you. The first might... They made their intentions clear when they cast out this priest degrading, the former chief, Motorella. We have always known that they would attempt something someday. I see and appreciate your concern, but this city is perhaps the safest place in the world from anything and anyone. I am interested in some of what you've showed me about the residents of Glaciel teleporting into my city. As Archmage looks to you, clearly having communicated prior a little bit more about that. I see the threat that you speak of, but again, we are not a people who will just lie down so that the First Might can walk all over us. Yes, your queenliness. I have never seen a city as well protected as this one. You are absolutely right about that. So, perhaps they come here and you tidily hand them their asses and they retreat in shame. And so then they head to Chilvin instead and continue with the second half of their plan and then return with a god. Some of them are already on their way. Lady Giselle still looking lost into the sky. The giants. There's another moment as they begin to ponder. So, Lady Noel looks to you a bit more receptive to what you're saying. What do you propose, Stregore de Gorgonzola? I could never be so bold as to pretend like I can command armies. I am one person who has found the weight of many truths upon her. You can heed my warning or not. I have other people to save and more to uncover still. But the truth is that they'll be here in a few days. And forgive me. And I look down at this. I don't look her in the eye as I say this. But if I can get 300 people through your arcane bubble, then 
I think a lich could do far worse damage. Give me an intimidation check. Okay. 16. You hear footsteps as you keep your head down and hear the tusk clang down in front of you. It's stabbed straight into the stone. You look up. You see Lady Noelle standing above you. And the humans. If what you've shown me is true, that seems like a bigger threat. It's the same threat. It's all the same threat. The humans are aligned with the Omnimalum. What she said. Lady Giselle kind of again tilting her head, looking around. Lady Noel looks to her and you see she puts a hand on her hand grasping Giselle. You see Giselle absentmindedly put her hand on her stomach. Noel sneers. We have done nothing to your people or the humans. We have kept to ourselves and yet You say they march in a day? Tomorrow at dawn. Afinaj is about a week's journey. We have a week to prepare. I am not worried. The humans. We should not have turned our eye away from them. You see a military mind hard at work trying to put together what needs to be done to ensure her people's safety. You see Giselle looks to you kind of, again, eyes over you, not really even truly making eye contact with you. You see she has a kind of sad face. The friends of Gorgonzola work to undermine those efforts. She's on our side. Hmm. But it is not an easy task, my love. The future is hazy. They are in trouble. She looks to you, eye contact for the first time. Lady Giselle, I see glimpses of the future as well. What do you see? She touches the crystal in her necklace. I see everything. I see nothing. There is great danger ahead. You are at the center of it. I nod. Lady Noel at this point is just looking at Giselle, shocked, seeing this is the face of seeing some of someone who's seeing like the most amount of presence in someone for a very long time. Right. More more, you did not tell me. I did not know I knew. There is silence in the room. You see Swell stand up in the from her chair in the distance. Gorgonzola has proved herself to be troublesome, but... I glare at Swell. <laughs> but she has also worked to undo the trouble she causes. And from what I have seen, what she speaks of is true. There are many dangers of this world, and they grow ever stronger. We cannot afford to remain isolationists any longer. And Archmage Pai Nui looks to you. 
Though I am confident in our defenses, my queens, I believe that we should invest some of our resources into preparing for these threats. This Dregorede has proven on multiple occasions to have the best intentions for our people. Lady Noelle kind of looks at all of them. <sighs> I think many of us are being pushed outside of our comfort zone. The dwarves, they have similar values to you. Protect your own at whatever cost and protect those first who you love. I can relate to that too, but the first might, the humans, if they don't come for you now, they'll come for you next. Give me a persuasion check with advantage. Fourteen. There is a long pause. Lady Noelle looks to you. I will heed your warning. I will make preparations to put the city on, well, if it wasn't already after the incident yesterday, on lockdown. Do you have a backup bubble? No, no. The Capotron Sanctuaries, it is an unbreakable shield. Yes, apparently, if you have strong enough magic, you can maybe teleport inside, but I do not think anyone has the kind of magic that you are using. They could not bring such a full-scale army in. That's true. May I see it? Can I do an insight check on her? Yes. To see kind of what her intentions look like? Mm -hmm. Mm, Three. I mean, I think that all you can really surmise is that she's at least trying to consider it as a military situation. Like, I mean, based on what you've shared... And I'll say that even Dr. Flocon kind of chimes in and goes, it's very unstable magic. And you see that um, I have been studying it for quite some time. This is actually why I wanted to meet with you. Um, we are observing a large-scale breakdown of the weave and unraveling like we have never seen before. Objects like the Conjuration Shard, as Zola has described. It is but one example of the many, many trials that are coming for us, for the world. Yes, these shards are becoming more and more common, and I think that what happened to the people of Glaciel also has something to do with this breakdown, and I um, offer up the Conjuration Shard in my hands to, if um, Archmage Panwi wants to, again, levitate it up to them. You offer it up, and you take a look at it, and it actually looks a little different. <sighs> now that you've used it so many times, you see that it has got some like strange growths upon it it was already a rough hewn kind of quartzy like crystal now there's like a few more strange kind of ever shifting and changing sort of patterns within it you kind of feel as you like look into it you almost feel your presence in this area shake but it is lifted out of your hands with telekinesis and brought before lady noel and lady giselle i've overused it i'm not opposed to this being used for the defense of the city. I harbor no greed over great magical powers. That being said, it is quite unstable and, well, I've seen things go wrong and I worry that they are 
a side effect of the crumbling of the weave Dr. Flacone is speaking about. I worry that every time we use them or one is created, it is like an exponential tear. And so it should be used for matters of great importance and not for summoning plates of vegan bacon. It can do so many things. And she claps <laughs> a hand over her mouth and kind of pulls her back. Archmage Pinui turns to the queens. I believe that they have demonstrated this threat is worth considering. I think we all agree that the incoming armies are certainly something we need to prepare for. But it seems like they will only be the start and perhaps even a catalyst of something worse. Lady Noel, looking at the shard as it's hovered before her, not touching it herself, I would speak to the various dukes, duchesses, and marquis. I will inquire about anything that they may have encountered in their own cities, and I will take everything you have said into account. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. And as she says that to you, um, Lady Giselle, again, her eyes drift back to you. You should get that. You suddenly I feel your phone, my phone on your side. And you hear Hello? a voice come out of it. I put my finger up to the entire Shadow Shine court and hold <laughs> and hold my phone to my ear. What head half turned away. <laughs> One second, everybody. You see Fanchi looks at you, jaw agape. <laughs> Dr. Flocon goes, You never said anything about taking a phone call. It's not I make eye contact with a sign that says no sending stones, like hidden in the dark. (laughs) You see the guards close in, pikes up. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) As you take this call, you hear a voice come through. Zola? You there? I don't know if you can hear this. Evacuations have been compromised. The Empire finally caught on. Need help. A-S-A-P. As Brigid's voice rings out, I told you they were in trouble. You're right. That was an important call. So you guys got this on lock? You're going to m- maybe find an extra bubble or something? Uh, wh- wh- where are you going? The, the Archmage steps forward. My friends have been working to evacuate those innocents out of the capital. The shard suddenly appears in your hand as you see that Lady Giselle has snapped her fingers and essentially teleported it there. She looks to you. You should go. Someone tell my mom I'll be back soon. Fanchi goes, I will, I will. Um, I'm sorry, is everything okay? I look up at Archmage Penwi and say, your daughter's in Paddlewick and I'm going there next. I looks to the... I, um... (laughs) I try to teleport to the Temple of the Wild. You put your hands on the shard, focusing your energy as the world begins to spin around you and the entire court of the Shadow Shines looks on in shock. And that is where we're going to end our arc. Thank you so much for listening to this arc of Try Not to Die. Thank you so much to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become one of those Eldritch patrons, go to patreon.com slash try not to die 
pod. Guys, I mean, what's the afterlife going to be for this one? Oh Big Lord, roleplay epi. Whoo, quite a fucking episode. Wow. Uh, another shout out, of course, to Sorco Soundscapes, Michael Gelfi, and holiest high upon high my god in, <laughs> in, in internet form freesound.org um of course um, freesound.org 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 at least any plugs or last minute things you want to say as we close out the arc and embark on a brief two-week hiatus yeah short little hiatus oh my goodness well thanks noah this is so exciting (laughs) have fun with this two and a half hour episode and so nerve-wracking Ooh, i mean (sighs) tell a friend about the show please guys i promise you the next arc is gonna be fucking crazy the next arc i can tell is gonna be fucking insane i can't believe we're starting our next arc, the day before Harvest Peak. So fucking climactic. So climactic. We're going to need some time fuckery, my friends. <laughs> we stole us some luck in the break. Um, of course, follow our you know socials. Please, um, at Try Not To Die Pod. Uh, you know, just r- recommend us. Shout us out. If, yeah. you, if you've got a platform, tell people to join in. We're going to be hitting our next arc in a couple of weeks and then like taking a little holiday breaky break and then coming back for the last part of the show in yeah. next year so they will have all of december to like binge try not to die get through all of it also i think like in the next couple weeks hopefully we're getting our website up mm. which is gonna have stuff like some um arc recaps yes. and some really awesome fun new so art that cool. we got so beautiful i mean let's shout out 3d piss right now oh shout Saya, out Saya files work. 3d piss check out their work check out um where you can buy their zines and web comics and stuff mm. and Oh my goodness, we are racing towards the end. We I'm are so excited. The end. We are going to talk way more about this on the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So join us on the page. Join us on the page for that. Um, this is, uh, I believe, this came out at the end of September or yeah. early October. So the book club has probably wrapped up at this point. But feel free to check it out if we've we've probably posted on our Patreon, and we may be sharing it with you, the masses, Mayhaps. very soon. I hope you got to read uh, and contribute. Just because the book club's over doesn't mean you shouldn't read the book. Yeah. So go check read out they that came book. To slay. They came to slay. Um, and yeah. Noah from the future, or I guess past for you, here to tell you that Try Not to Die will be back in mid-October with a mini-campaign following Smite and Kittle's most recent heist in Aurelia, starring Ashley and Lisa as two brand new characters. After that, we'll be, as we said before, back with the penultimate arc of Try Not to Die in the new year. Okay, I'll throw it back to past past Noah. Um, and yeah, other than that, until next time, try not to die. Ah! <laughs> it's Ashley in the studio! I knew it. All hail our eldritch patrons, especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Eclair, and Lana, Emily, Grace, Jacob, James, Jeff, Joey, Kate, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Zahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Bronstetter, and our producer Daddies, Becca Mount, Sam Golden, and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die.